Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300 List know the difference now here are your hosts dave spano and mark oswald and here we go for saturday august 3rd beautiful week continues to look like we're going to get any rain till what next wednesday mark something like that well that'd be great yeah. i mean you know we get to july august you better enjoy some sunshine welcome to money talk i'm danny clayton mark oswald is here about to be joined by derek felsky our chief investment officer still to come on the show we're going to talk about credit monitoring versus freezing your credit that has been in the news an awful lot this equifax settlement was pretty darn huge and then of course we had the um, capital one uh, capital one which was big as well so I think what happens is is that Equifax will offer $125 or free credit monitoring, and we've got a, a position that it's like, that's okay, but freezing your credit is better, and we're going to walk some people through that. That's on the way. Deanne Phillips and Jill Martin talking about saving the family cottage. A lot of you may be passing through town, going up north. you got a place that's been in the family for a long, long time. You want it to stay that way. We've got a great presentation on how you should do that and what the steps are. That'll be a great presentation for sure. It's always well attended for a lot of people that own own lake property or something in the in the family that they want to pass on a lot of great tips there okay we always start the show off with the week in review and it has been quite a week in review Derek Felsky yeah it was uh, we had a lot of news this week from 10,000 feet we had an FOMC meeting we got some tweets from the president uh, we continue uh, through earnings season and we saw a fairly decent jobs report on Friday you know you think about those things Derek when we started to talk about this probably back in May or June and the likelihood of a rate cut coming up at the end of July at the FOMC meeting the Federal Reserve meeting you know that was going to be the big story of the week, right? And it didn't turn out to be. But let's start with that, and then we'll move on to trade and tariffs a little bit. As widely expected, you know, 100% probability traders thought there'd be a rate cut out of the FOMC uh, on Wednesday afternoon, and, and they did get 25 basis points. At one point, there was about a 25% probability that they might get a 50 basis point rate cut. Of course, immediately thereafter, the president chastised the Fed again for not moving quickly or aggressively enough. So the market actually sold off after the FOMC decision, but then it started a rebound fairly dramatically yesterday afternoon until the president again got back on the tweet mobile. So you start thinking about what happened here from what we expected to have happen. We talked on this show about the rate cut being baked into the markets. So we didn't expect stocks to take off. Sometimes when you see monetary easing, that's good for corporations and that that is good for borrowing. And you start to see things like stock buybacks and other things that move stock prices higher. But in this particular case, this news kind of was baked into the markets already. So not a big reaction. Well, there wasn't much of a reaction, but certainly the reaction that occurred was not what people expected. No one expected the dollar to spike after the Fed announcement. Uh, most people thought the yield curve might actually steepen because they're pushing short-term rates down. And one would assume that with lower rates in the short end, that people would expect economic growth down in the future to increase, so perhaps inflationary expectations would rise. What happened was exactly the opposite. Short-term rates did go down, but long-term rates went down more. So the yield curve is actually flatter, which just shows you that 
the market uh, is demanding more from the Fed. You bet. So jump ahead to Thursday now, Thursday afternoon specifically, and the tweet that was that started the the 600-point move in the market. At one point in time, the Dow was up about 300 points on Thursday, and then we got the tweet. Yeah, the president basically said, in fact, I'll quote him, during the talks, the U.S. will start on September 1st putting small additional tariff of 10% on the remaining $300 billion of goods and products coming from China and our country. This does not include the $250 billion already tariffed at 25%. So the market dropped like a rock. Right. That this is, again, manifesting first global uncertainty about you know, supply chains, about the growth of the global economy, awaiting potentially a response from the Chinese to this. And apparently he didn't even consult with China before announcing. He didn't even warn them he was going to say this. So you start thinking about these two things together, right? You got you got the FOMC moving rates down, which should be good for the stock markets. And then within a day, you've got this other contra event that happens that moves the markets in the other direction. I mean, what is going on right now? <laughs> that people can have some certainty in. Well, I think this is a political maneuver. I mean, the president wants to be reelected. He's announced he's going to run for reelection. And the, his best chance for winning, given his low popularity ratings in terms of character, if you will, uh, are to have a very strong economy because ultimately people vote their checkbooks and their wage growth. By basically creating uncertainty in the global marketplace through tariff threats, he's essentially forcing the global economy to slow down, which then will enable the Fed to cut rates even more, which is what he wants in the first place. Then, of course, maybe next summer, he takes the tariffs off and the economy booms right into the election and he wins in a landslide. How about monetary policy around the world dropping 25 basis points? You've got the ECB, you've got the Bank of Japan, still with cards to play in those countries. Was this quarter rate enough, or are we going to see another drop in September? Well, the, the likelihood now of a 25 basis point rate cut in September is north, north of 70 percent. was only 30 percent two days ago. So that's clearly occurred. The question is, at what point, you know, and how much impact will it really have? I mean, obviously, the 25 basis point cut on Wednesday didn't have much of an impact. In fact, the market's significantly lower now than it was then. So if another 25 basis point rate cuts in the cards, what kind of economic weakness are we going to see before then, which will cause them to do that? So we've got to be very vigilant about recessionary risks and the yield curve. Dirk Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. If you came uh, partway through that, that and uh, you want to hear all of it we will have that on the annex wealth management youtube channel our week in review we always put that up there and now i'm talking about the annex wealth management youtube channel it is really good it's got a lot of our content and it's highly searchable so if you got a question about say healthcare savings accounts all you have to do is put in hsas and you'll see all of the content that we produced it's really good really good and you can uh, head to annexwealthmont.com today hit that get started button and we'll get going you uh, next week. Again, it's that easy. That free portfolio analysis, the free annuity analysis, and you're going to also sign up for Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. This is Money Talk. It's 1014 at WTMJ. Custom tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, August 3rd. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. New jobs numbers rolled in yesterday. Your reaction? Well, I think the market's reaction what's important here because when you think about people working and you think about people making money and they're out and spending and, and supporting GDP, consumer spending, 70% of GDP in the country, then the job number was okay. I mean, it was 164,000 new jobs. Usually in a growing economy, you see a number that's closer to 250,000 jobs a month. 
month. So 164 was about expectations, Derek. Unemployment rate stayed the same, 3.7%. You look around the country here in Milwaukee, I mean, the jobs number is growing. People, more people are working. I think there was a record number of people working here in the city of Milwaukee reported earlier this week, and that's great news, of course. But, you know, you think about unpacking this number a little bit, and what we finally get to is what's happening with the American worker in terms of being employed, staying employed, and making more money. We're seeing slower growth in jobs over the on a year-over-year basis by any number, a number of metrics, but at the same time, we're continuing to see strong year-over-year growth in wages. In fact, for the 10th consecutive month, wage growth was north of 3%, and that's something that can underpin consumer spending, which of course is very important to the U.S. economy, as you referred to. So turn your attention then to one other thing from this week, because I think this is important, especially for people who are seniors and savers. And and we always talk about the Fed and dropping interest rates. And when they do that, what does that mean for corporations? But it has an effect on savers, too, because of the fact that when you're putting money into the bank or you're paying off credit cards or whatever it is, then those rates are coming down for savers as well. Right. We've talked a lot about how short-term money rates, you know, CD rates and the like, were somewhat of a headwind for equities because rather than 0%, which was what many were offering several years ago, we got up into the 25 3% range. So as the Fed pushes short-term rates lower, that obviously is going to re- reduce income for many people who count on that as a paycheck and can have a negative impact on economic growth going forward. You saw a 10-year bond at 1.87, somewhere in that range. That's a historically low number. And when you tie other things to that, like CD rates and bond rates and what you're getting back in terms of fixed income, it can really impact a lifestyle. And I think it's worth thinking about that because as interest rates start to come down, one of the things that you should be looking at in a portfolio review is the duration of the bonds in your portfolio and their sensitivity to credit. That's right. I mean, what we've done in our portfolios is reduce our allocation to credit somewhat because clearly as this cycle extends, the risks of a recession are, are moving up some from, from very low levels a couple of years ago to, to roughly, a, say, the 40% probability at this point. And currently with the president involved with it in really a trade war with China uh, that can have secondary and tertiary effects on the growth of the economy, I feel like that move was warranted. Talk about trade wars. We also saw some resolution of a trade impasse with Europe, the European Union. When it came to exporting beef into the EU, that came on Friday. Yeah, a positive development. You know, the president didn't really address the Chinese trade issue during the press conference. Uh, his head negotiator spoke after the, afterwards. And yes, it's a good, it's a good deal for American uh, cattle producers. How about non-beef? We saw some news this week with uh, Beyond Meat, and we certainly saw that company continue a secondary IPO there. Yeah, I mean, Beyond Meat, this, this again, you know, we always talk about IPOs and that are, you know, we don't typically use them at Annex in our portfolios, and we caution only the most sophisticated investors to consider them. But basically, they announced a secondary offering, kind of a surprise to everyone. Uh, insiders are selling shares, and they actually priced the deal 18% below what its last trade was, which gives you some indication of the valuation there, how high the valuation had gotten. The stock is up six-fold since the IPO price, a $10 billion market cap. And when people like Kleiner Perkins, a vaunted uh, Silicon Valley venture capitalist, are selling their shares, 
that would tell me to stay clear. But you don't read anything into the insiders either. I mean, people who are, you know, the CFO of the company or the CEO of the company, I'm just using those as examples, when they get to the point where the lockup period's over or a secondary offering happens and they have an opportunity to monetize their shares, that doesn't mean anything untowards happening to the company that you should really read into it. It's just somebody monetizing their shares in the company. Well, that's what an investor bank would tell you is representing them. However, if the CEO is selling his own shares, <laughs> for sure, I want no part of them. Uh, Derek Felsky and Mark Oswald uh, at uh, Annex Wealth Management. Uh, good stuff. Up next, talking about credit monitoring versus freezing your credit. So this big FTC settlement with Equifax over that gigantic data breach. They're going to offer people credit monitoring and cash. Why is freezing your credit better? One of our uh, financial planning team uh, takes that up. It's a good. It's a good segment. Also on the way, Jill Martin and Deanne Phillips saving the family cottage. If one has been in your family for a long, long time, you want to keep it there. It is a great workshop. Details on that on the way. Money talk. It is ten twenty two at WTMJ. Team Tech Trust and the fee only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment. Eric Strom, financial planning specialist at Annex Wealth Management, is back. Hey, Eric. Hello, Danny. We normally talk to you about annuities, but we're going to talk to you about something different because probably six months ago or so, you were on and we talked about freezing your credit. You're very good at it. You know the ins and outs. And we're talking about this because of the recent Equifax settlement with the FTC because they had a big one. They had a big breach of, what, 85 million of their customers? Yes. So so Equifax had, had an unprecedented data breach. Many, many Americans were part of it, and they have your complete address history and current address, your full social security number. They have credit card numbers in some cases. They really have A to Z, almost all the information they would need to do any kind of identity theft on you. See, one of the problems was is that they didn't patch it as well as they could have, and they let these hackers roam around for a couple of months, and so FTC did not like that. Right. So as a result of that, of course, the legal system gets involved, right? And now there's a settlement. So what you as a consumer, and if you're part of this breach, which most Americans are, you have the right to request four years of free credit monitoring, or in some cases, cash. If you're paying for your own credit monitoring, you can get up to $125 to help pay for that. In certain cases, if you were actually a victim of substantial fraud, you might be entitled to even more money than, than that. You need to prove that. What we're going to talk about is the fact that credit monitoring is just okay. It's kind of a band-aid. Absolutely. So all consumer advocates agree. Every expert in this area agrees that credit monitoring is not good enough. What credit monitoring is, your credit is still wide open and available for you to open up credit for a fraudster to pretend that they are you and open up credit in your name. And the credit monitoring would just inform you that, hey, this has happened. So all consumer advocates agree that what you need to do for the best protection is to freeze your credit. And freezing your credit is now free. So my wife and I have been freezing our credit going back five or six years. So we, we have a lot of experience with this. Back, you know, in 2012, 2013, 14, when you're doing it then, you actually had to pay, depending on what state you live in, you have to pay. In Wisconsin here, it was $10 just to freeze and then another 10 to unfreeze. Uh, and remember, you've got three credit bureaus. So it's, it's Equifax, it's Experian, and it's TransUnion. Is yep, that... those are the three. And now you can freeze and unfreeze those completely for free and easily. 
What Credit Freeze does is it makes it so that no one can open up any new credit under your social security number, not even you. So your credit is on the complete lockdown. Again, all consumer advocates say that that is the route to go for the best protection. What's involved? You go to the website, you, you find the place to do that. I, I've done it. It's it's not super easy, but it's, it's, it's doable. Well, the very first time you do it, you might run into some hiccups because they will ask you security questions about uh, yourself and they will look at your record and... Uh, most of the time, people can get it freezed without a hiccup, um, and it can take as quick as 15, 20 minutes. But in some cases, they might want uh, more proof of your identity. So it can, at, at the ver- very beginning, there can be a little bit more work in some cases. However, once you get over that learning curve, it's, it's a pr- you know pretty easy. This is where they ask what car you had, and they list about five of them. And it's like, did I have a 2002 Honda? You have to really kind of think about that. Yep. It, it's pretty funny. A lot of people say, wait. So did I take out a mortgage in uh, you know 2002? I don't remember. That's a long time ago. But yeah, if you can get past those questions and get it frozen, especially if you're in a point in your life where you're not taking out new credit every three months, maybe your car, you know, you've got cars that you're going to be driving the next few years. You don't plan on getting a new mortgage. You're not applying to new credit cards every six months. If you're in that position, it's a no-brainer to freeze your credit because you freeze it once, and then it might be years before you need to unfreeze it again. And if anything, you'd have the inconvenience of maybe you applied for something and then you'd find out, oh, that's right, my, my credit was frozen. You have to go in and unfreeze it. That's right. And actually, there are a lot of other reasons why companies might use your credit. So if, even if you sign up for a new cell phone, they'll usually check your credit. If you get a new job, sometimes they'll check your credit. I and mean, there are other situations other than just taking out new debt. Uh, so it is. this is a little bit of a lifelong adjustment that you'll ha- have to make, but I promise it's, uh, it's not too difficult. They've made it a lot easier now, and, and it's free. If you're interested in doing this, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has a great guide, a credit freeze guide. So if you did a Google search for FTC credit freeze guide, and if you're a client of Annex, we actually have a credit freeze guide that we can email you. So just get in touch with your, your contact uh, person at Annex, and we can get that sent over to you as well. But really, at the end of the day, it's very important because you know maybe you've never been a victim of identity theft, but if you do become that, it can become almost a part-time job to get out of it. So a little bit work up front can really pay dividends. We began talking about the Equifax uh, settlement with the FTC. Equifax is offering free credit monitoring. That's okay. Freezing the credit is a better idea. Eric Strom, a financial planning specialist at Annex Wealth Management, joined us to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good stuff. Uh, you, you're looking for a detail on that. Make sure, and especially if you're a client, uh, make sure to reach out to the person at Annex Wealth Management that you deal with the most. Our number, 262-786-6363. Here's something that's brand new. If you want to get started, normally you can go to our website and fill out the form. But if you want to do it really easy, just text two words, get started to our main number 262-786-6363 and we'll get you going planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary and we put that in writing you're listening to money talk on wtmj and we're back it's time for ask annex if you have a question for us just go to annexwealth.com just look for that ask button that's in the upper left hand side we got one last week via text, and it came in from Gene. Gene, sorry, we had to push this off by a week, but it's a great question. We're going to give it to you, uh, Derek. What possible market impact might there be from a shift from LIBOR? First um, off, what's LIBOR? Okay, well, LIBOR is, is an 
an acronym for London Interbank Offering Rate. It's basically a lending benchmark on which many contracts are priced, for example, home loans, credit cards, and the like. And it's about about $300 trillion is, is benchmarked off of LIBOR. Basically, what's happened is the U.K. regulators have given a 2021 deadline to financial firms, including banks and investors, to transition away from that and towards a similar rate in the future. So what I would suggest is don't affect don't expect much of a market reaction or impact on this, but certainly contracts are going to have to be rewritten. What the rate is relative to what the current LIBOR rate is, that's obviously subject to change. And frankly, the reasons for this is there was a, a bid-fixing scandal on the part of some investors that caused problems. Does that mean my mortgage goes away? No, your, no, your mortgage will not go away, Mark, and in, in your case, they should probably raise your interest rate. Nice. Next one comes from Debbie. If someone wants to pay off my daughter's student loans without tax implications for her, how would we go about it? The person is not related to my daughter, but wants to help her out. Holy cow. That's my first well, thing. Holy cow. First of all, if you're interested in paying off student loans, <laughs> hey, it's spelled uh, OSW. No. What you're really talking about is a gifting rule here. And, and you know, any person can give X number of dollars to any other person for any purpose in a given year without any tax implications. I think that's what we're trying to get to is staying away from tax reporting or tax obligations. So in 2019, you can give to any person $15,000. So you could give that person or directly to the, to the lender $15,000 and retire that debt. Now, if you're married, your spouse could also give $15,000. So you could essentially give $30,000 to that person this year to retire some college debt. And then again in January, another 30000 so you could get 60000 in the next six or seven months. It's Ask Annex. Just go to AnnexWealth.com. Look for that Ask button. We'll get to as many as we can on the show. Uh, this one comes from Ryan. How soon before retirement should I become more conservative with my investments? That's always a great question because we get that a lot, Derek. You know, people come in and and I, I always look at it as it being a risk tolerance question because we we see rules of thumb. There used to be more out there than there are today. People used to say take a hundred minus your age, and that should be the percentage of money that you have in equity portfolios. And that, that's just really a thing of the past. Yeah, but to also, me, it's a risk tolerance thing. I think it's that, and it's also people need to realize they look they're going to live longer. You know, a lot of these old uh, sayings applied when people lived to say seventy two years old, but now people are living well beyond seventy two. In fact. I know our financial planning guys have said often that if, if a couple are both 70, the odds of one of them lives past 90 is very high. So I think people make a mistake in, in taking down their, their risk allocation as they approach retirement. But you got to look at that in the context of the valuations, these asset classes, because what we're really concerned with here is sequence of return risk. And, you know, folks who retired in 1980 have had a fabulous retirement, right? Fixed income's done great. Equities have done great. But those who retired in 2007 and 2008, that was a completely different situation. And the other thing I think you can keep in mind is this is dynamic. People can look at it and they can look at their portfolio and their risk tolerance in the beginning years of retirement and making sure. We've talked so many times on the show about this bucket theory about having some money in absolute fixed income where you know you're going to get a paycheck on the 15th of every month or whatever day that might be. And then you have this secondary bucket that spills into the first bucket and that one's kind of the intermediate money that you have at some degree of risk but not at great risk. And then the long-term money, which is your 10-year, 20-year, 30-year money, to your point about living longer, you have 
have to have that exposure to equities that it spills into the second bucket, that it spills into the first bucket. That's how you get to the point of ensuring or trying to ensure that you're going to have that stable paycheck for the rest of your life. Looking for a quick and easy way to pick up seven weekly insights that'll make you a smarter saver and investor? Sign up for Annex Wealth Management's Axiom. The Axiom is packed with useful information, great articles, and highlights from our radio shows. It's not complicated or filled with jargon and sales pitches. It's a tool for greater education and understanding of your finances. Sign up today at AnnexWealth.com slash Axiom and you're in. It's absolutely free and you don't have to be a client. The Axiom, A-X-I-O-M, from Annex Wealth Management. Team, tech, trust. AnnexWealth.com. Team, tech, trust. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust, and welcome to August. Hoping you're having a great summer. There is a lot left, and for many listening today, go into the family cottage or the lake house or the cabin, or if you're listening in the UP, the camp. Those places are near and dear to us. Many times, it's a family place, so grandma and grandpa had it, and there's a strong desire to keep those special places in the family, and it's easier said than done. Annex Wealth Management knows that, and that's why our Saving the Family Cottage presentations are popular and we've got members of the team today to talk about the presentation. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. And Deanne Phillips, director of client learning and development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Hey, thanks for having us, Danny. So, Deanne, it's not simple. Grandma and Grandpa want to pass along a family asset like a cottage. Not easy at all. No, it's not. And, you know, sometimes we forget because we love the place so much and we think everyone's going to love it and want it that not everybody necessarily has the desire nor the capacity for that cottage like we might so maybe they've already inherited one through somebody they've married or maybe they moved out of state and it's not convenient or maybe they're financial they're, there's discordance in their finances with the rest of the family and the maintenance would just be a burden we need to think about all of these things right and you got at it because each case is different so when it transfers from grandma or grandpa the price process changes, I would think, for each and every one, right, Jill? It is. It's really different. It, it depends on how it's owned by the family originally, how many children or grandchildren are we talking about, which generations. And so having it be really, really thought through, to Deanne's point, thinking about all of those other factors of just transferring the real estate gets missed a lot of times. I would think that divvying it up a, a good calendar with reserve dates, but that's probably the simplest thing, is fighting over who gets to go there when. Oh, I don't know. If you have a summer like we had, and you know, all, what, four to six weeks of summer, everyone wants the 4th of July, so <laughs> that might be a real battle over that. And then you have to think about the size of the cottage too and sometimes Jill and I see multiple generations who are trying to share and want it on the same weekend. It can be a battle if there aren't specific guidelines that are laid forth. So what happens with uh, maintenance? I mean you got to pay for the boat and the dock and the upkeep and all those things. How does that work? Well it, it gets complicated because as the family member or the grandchild who's going up to see grandma and grandpa you're not thinking about what that costs to maintain that property. The property taxes on that could be extraordinary that mm. you just don't think about it. So again, having to have a plan so that there's some cash that's being funded along with transferring the asset is really, really important so that maintenance is either taken care of for a term of years for the next generation, or you have enough flexibility so that all of the people that are taking that property and inheriting that property can contribute to that equally. 
Let's talk about that because, okay, the grandma and grandpa had one level, and let's say they had four kids, right? But one lives in Ohio and three live in Wisconsin. you got to figure that out as well, but they have to pour into this pool to pay for this stuff. Well, right. I mean, you know, that's why having a specific document that can help lay out things like what if one child wants out of the agreement, how are they bought out or can they be bought out? So there actually is, and, and Jill does a great job with this, there are specific estate planning documents and concerns that can be addressed with proper documentation so that the grandma and grandpa's wishes to carry it on through multiple generations in a seamless fashion are carried forward. What type of document is that, the legal document? Well, so there's a couple different options depending on what the personal preferences are for grandma and grandpa, right? They, they may want to give the next generation, those four kids, a lot of flexibility. And so maybe there you're structuring it in type of an LLC operating agreement or something along on those lines. Other people don't want to give that next generation as much flexibility. And so then it might be something like an irrevocable trust. But you really have to weigh the pros and cons of each of those in addition to what the family ultimately wants to have happen to make sure which one's right. We're talking about Saving the Family Cottage, which is a presentation that Annex has done in the past, and we've got another round of them coming up. They're very, very popular. Deanne, I hate to say it, but divorces happen, so let's talk about Grandma and Grandpa. They, they've made it, but then of those four children, what happens when a divorce happens within one of those four children? Well, right, so if somebody inherits the place and they're used to bringing a spouse up and they don't have proper estate planning in place when that divorce happens, their share of that cottage or that property could potentially be split. And we've seen this, unfortunately, where all of a sudden a non-blood ex-family member inherits a portion. And boy, you can just imagine how that might turn out. So it's just so important to map out everything of what you're envisioning so that you can route it in the most successful path possible. Jill, does that mean the same thing for like bankruptcies and protecting it from creditors? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a soon-to-be ex-spouse is a creditor just like anybody else, potentially, if you owe them money or there needs to be a financial settlement that happens. So any type of ownership among siblings brings in spouses. It brings in creditors of all of them. So your four children situation, if one of them files bankruptcy and owns one quarter of that house, all of a sudden, either he needs to get bought out by family members or if none of them can afford it, it might have to be sold at a general public just so that there's cash so he can pay his bankruptcy debts. We're talking about this on the radio. So I've got to assume that there are thousands of people listening who are in this situation. In the end, every single case is different. That's why people need to come to Saving the Family Cottage? Well, they are. I mean, we're in the land of a thousand lakes, right? So certainly people have lake properties. They have hunting properties. It's a big hunting state, too. They have that adjacent property that maybe they bought up north that they never developed. So and when we say Saving the Family Cottage, it could really mean a lot of things. It means a residence that is not your primary residence. If you want it to pass on for multiple generations, what is the most effective and efficient and, you know, less costly way to do it with your wishes being granted. Okay, here we are in August. Let's talk about the Saving the Family Cottage presentations, and we have two of them. You bet we do. So the first one is in our Mequon branch, which is on Mequon on Port Washington Road on Thursday, August the 15th at Annex Wealth Management, 6 p.m. in the evening. And our one at our headquarters in Elm Grove on 127th and Blue Mound is happening on Tuesday, August the 20th. Both of them do require a registration ahead of time, so please give us a call at 262 
786-6363 or head to our website at annexwealth.com slash events and you will see them listed. Jill Martin, Deanne Phillips, part of the Annex Wealth Management team. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for having us, Danny. Locations, we've got a bunch. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton. We're downtown inside the Fister. And if you can hear WTMJ with this big signal, yeah, that's no problem. We'll use Annex everywhere. It's simple screen share technology. Back in a bit, this is Money Talk at 1050 at WTMJ. W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio, this is News Radio WTMJ. A Barron's top advisor, a member of the Financial Times Top 300, and a Journal Sentinel Top Workplace. Know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Saturday, August 3rd, this is Money Talk. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, is here. Mark Oswald, our Chief Compliance Officer. Sometimes people in this industry probably make it tough to admit that you're in this industry, Mark. Well, you know, all of us do a lot of reading during the week because that's our job. Our listeners that are out there are doing their thing. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're plumbers, whatever it might be, and they're concentrating on their business. We concentrate on our business. And so, you know, I read a lot about, in my role, I read a lot about rules and what people are doing out there and what kind of enforcement actions there are out there because it tells me the evolution of the investment community and what investors should be aware of. And there was a case that was issued this week that that really underscores this idea of what we've been talking about between fee-based companies and fee-only companies. And this dynamic really was about revenue sharing. And so let me let me just try to draw an example. So Danny, let's say that you run a mutual fund, and Derek, you run a mutual fund, and, and I'm the registered investment advisor, and Danny has a fine fund, and, and you've got one too, Derek, and I, I have a choice between putting my clients into your fund or Danny's fund, for instance. But the one thing that's happening is Derek's fund pays me some marketing dollars to sell his fund when Danny's fund doesn't. Oh, way to go, you crook. Well, right. No, yours is probably well, it's a cannabis not. fund. <laughs> so, you know, so the natural reaction when you're the boss, right, when you're looking at what are your keepers going to want you to sell is they want you to sell the mutual fund that it's going to pay them some revenue sharing. So this happens all the time. And unfortunately, it's part of the industry. So this lawsuit was about revenue sharing. And there's other registered investment advisors out there. And some of them have right on on their homepage of their website is it'll say revenue sharing right down in that little bottom scrolling part where it says legal and all that. You can click and see which mutual funds are paying your registered investment advisor to have access to your client accounts. So when that happens, a conflict of interest is created immediately. We don't do that kind of thing in a fee-only world. In a fee-only world, we don't take a penny of revenue from one mutual fund company over another because it just causes a bias. And take it even further, in this particular case, let's just go back to Derek's mutual fund. In case of Derek's mutual fund, if he's the mutual fund manager, he might have a class A share and a class I share, an institutional share. The A share will pay me that revenue sharing dollar. The I share will not. Well, you still have a conflict when your advisor then puts you in the A share just so they can get the revenue dollars back. And that happens all the time, unfortunately, in our industry. And it's one of the things that you should be aware of as an investor when you're looking at partnering with somebody is understand their revenue
revenue sharing agreements that they've entered into because it causes a bias in the selections they make in your portfolios. Most of the time when we hear revenue sharing, we hear it in terms of like sports teams and it seems okay. Well, you know, and some firms would call it kickbacks, right? I mean, you would look at it and say, are you getting money back from the mutual fund company that you're suggesting to me? It's a simple question, but it's a fair question. I can tell you kickback sounds a whole lot worse. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> That's why they came up with revenue sharing. Let's okay. look at the week ahead a little bit, Derek. What do we expect to see in terms of investors going into the next week? We still have some earnings numbers that are out there, but what else should people be looking for? I, I think they should basically assume that the markets are going to be fairly volatile between now and the end of September. August and September are typically the seasonally uh, weakest months of the year. What we do know, though, is that if uh, the market is strong going into August and September, it tends to perform better than average during those months. Conversely, if the market is weaker, it tends to perform worse. So there is some autocorrelation between past returns and future returns. And those and that autocorrelation exists through year end. So I think we're going to look at this towards the end of the year as, as, a, as a viable moment. Whether we go down another 3 4 5% from here wouldn't surprise me at all. But we'll be positioned to take advantage of that. Great point. Should people try to catch that bottom? Or is it about dollar cost averaging right now, taking advantage of uh, volatility? Well, we, you know, we do do a lot of dollar cost averaging at Annex. And we've been basically holding cash expecting something like this to occur. I didn't choose to buy anything on Friday. I certainly would intend to do something if we would drop 2 3 4% next week to get started. But, you know, with this Trump, Trump thing, you know, China has yet to retaliate. Will it spread to the EU? Um, will the Chinese do something with their currency? You know, we could see a short-term economic hiccup here that could ultimately result perhaps in even a negative GDP quarter. But certainly the administration wants this economy to be humming a year from now, and that's what I expect they'll do. All right, get your plan in order. You can start today go to annexwealth.com click that get started button it's just that easy again annexwealth.com advice and opinions expressed during money talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of annex wealth management and not wtmj radio or good karma brands milwaukee llc